fine. You create a network where you can share ideas. So, you know, of course, like this is what's working well here. Or we tried this here and it didn't work, but this is what we've learned. So again, you don't really have to have all the answers. You just have to put forth the effort to get the answers, right? I love it. It's Henry Ford that says, I don't know how to make cars, but I bring yeah. in people that know how to make cars, right? So you are part of the mission. This is Taking the Lead a podcast for B2B tech professionals, leaders, and executives who want to learn from female icons in the tech industry. In each episode, host Christina Brady interviews women who are driving revenue for some of the most respected tech companies in the world. Are you ready to get inspired? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Lead. I am Christina Brady. I am the Chief Strategy Officer of Sales Assembly. And if you are a rapidly growing and rapidly scaling B2B tech organization and you do not currently work with Sales Assembly, we have to fix that. We are built to help you succeed in every way, shape, and form without leaving a single employee behind. I am so excited today to have Kimberly Evans on the show. Kimberly, welcome. Good day. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate the invitation. Yes. I would love to hear just a little bit about your professional journey. What got you where you are? You're currently the Global Sales Enablement Director at Logs.io. Tell us how you got there. I love hearing about how enablement leaders, especially at the executive level, got where they are because it's such a nuanced role and in industry. So tell us the tale. Absolutely. I'll take you back, I guess, to 2009. I transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom into the workforce and started in sales, literally in a call center, managing new hires and onboarding started to take on special projects, just looking to find my niche market around what I like. I am definitely someone that prioritizes what makes me feel good and how I can make that work in my career, because that's where I'm going to find the most joy and happiness. And so I knew I was very much so drawn to people expanding their knowledge and carrying them through their day job journey, if you will. So I began to partner with HR and just within the new hire classes and helping to develop their curriculum. And that allowed me to step into management roles there, managing sales teams. And then I think I hit a ceiling. I was just like, okay, not feeling no butterflies anymore. So I'm someone that takes bold steps and I deal with the consequences that come with that because I feel like there's joy on the other side. So it may be painful climbing the mountain, but once you get to the top, right, you know, that's a moment that you can celebrate. So I took a sabbatical for a year and I allowed that time to be time for me to regroup as I was climbing the corporate ladder. Certainly I was getting promotions and, you know, raises and that was great, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. So I made a list of what I wanted, like what gives me, what will continue to give me joy and happiness in my career. So I made that list and that landed me at, a year later, that landed me at Red Hat, software tech company, giant headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina. I came in as a contractor managing their enablement team. It was a grassroots effort. Effort And so I built it from the ground up as a coordinator, really just on the ground, ground floor, entry level. And then from there became the program manager, managing all of their global enablement for six and a half years. Went through a reorg last year and really felt like the wind had 
taken out of my sale. So there I was back to that list. All right. So seven is the perfect number for me and my life. So that was a sign to say it's time to regroup. Started to cast my lines in the water and got an opportunity at Logs to become their global sales enablement director and actually work with a former coworker from Red Hat, who's actually my boss now. So it sort of comes full circle. I started with Logs in March of 2022. It has been a year of change for me marriage, new career, new job, or a new space in my career. So I'm all for it. Things happen in threes for me. So here we are. Oh my gosh. Throughout that, I kept wanting to be like, congratulations, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. But it, incredible change. I love when you said I, I take bold steps. You gave me chills just because I think that more people should take big, bold steps. And, you know, if you love what you do or you have a passion for life and living it to the fullest, then taking those bold steps will always, always, always pay off. It's a fearless way of living and accepting whatever that comes with. And so as a mother myself, I have to ask, what prompted you back in 2009 to say, I'm going to give up the stay-at-home mom life, time for me to go into the job force? Because that's that's a big decision. And I'm... Being a stay-at-home mom is an unbelievably difficult thing to do. And that's a big switch, what prompted it. No, I appreciate the question. You know, timing is everything. At that time, my daughter was entering into kindergarten. So it gave me an opportunity to prioritize some of my needs that perhaps were not a priority, right? As I was raising her up until that point, or we were raising her up until that point. And I knew I wanted to make an impact in corporate America. I wanted to have that experience. So there I was, right? And I started part-time when I talk about starting in sales. You know, that was a time where I could work part-time in a call center, get my feet wet. So it was the best of both worlds. I could still be mommy, you know, and still step out and start to build out, you know, my career journey. So I took baby steps, if you will, that has now led me to where I am now. I talk about a lot in my conversations, I'm compounding decisions. And it's okay to start at A. <laughs> Z is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Z yes. is very different five years from now. And that is awesome. But keep your eye on the prize and just start where you are, right? That's the fastest way to get to where you want to be, just starting. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we always take something from those early jobs with us. Like I remember my very first, I call it a sales job. I worked in financial services and I, basically sold insurance and financial packages. And I remember when I was going to my next job after that was when, so this would be in 2009, 2010, similar there when it was my first time breaking into tech. I didn't know I was breaking into tech. I just applied for a job. And I was like, apparently, apparently I broke into tech, right? But I remember in my interview and I had been selling insurance and the hiring manager, and this was the time when they were doing group interviews. I don't know if people still do that. There's like 30 of us. Oh, wow. And we're all sitting there looking at each other, right? And then like they asked us all a question and it's like whoever jumped in fastest with the answers. It's absolutely brutal Shark Tank stuff. <laughs> I like it. But I remember my 10 minutes that I got with the hiring manager, he was like, you know, coming from what you're selling, selling insurance, that's nothing like selling this product. Why do you think that you can do that? And I said, let me tell you something. When I was selling insurance, I had to call people on the phone during dinner with their families after they worked an entire day, then remind them of their own mortality. And if they hadn't hung up on me yet, ask them to give me their two most precious resources quickly. And one of those was their time to talk about it. And the other 
was their money to buy a product that nobody actually wants to spend money on. Sure. I was like, and I was the number one rep in my office. So I can do whatever, <laughs> whatever you're selling here, if it's easier than that, I got it, right? And I've taken the experience that I had in that first sales job selling insurance. And to this day, I look back on it and I say, thank goodness I had that experience because it made me who I am. So your first call center experience, what have you still in the role that you have today taken with you from that? No, I appreciate that question. Let me think about that. I think just breaking ground, yeah. right? Stepping into a situation that is yet to be formed. It's very, you know, novice and untapped or not well thought out and coming to the table as a thought leader and not being afraid to cast my ideas out. I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes, like you say, you know, in this group session, you don't want to have the wrong answer. Everyone wants to show up with the bad idea, but right. we have to start the conversation and whatever that looks like. And fortunately for me, I've had a lot of roles just created for me. Oh, I find joy in that because it hasn't been defined. So it's an opportunity for Kimberly to just put her special sauce on it. And then we can iterate along the, you know, along the way throughout the years. But I like the fact that there isn't a framework already or a model that's already in place that I have to sort of, you know, copy or just follow the script and I'm able to break through ceilings. So that has been inspiring to me just throughout my journey. I mean, I love the fact that you said you take past experiences and you bring them along with you. That's what life is all about. Is right. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's good baggage. Sometimes it's bad baggage, but you're like, I got to figure out a way to carry it all. You learn or make it, it lighter. Yeah, yeah. You learn from it all. So, so it's been good. It's been great. I mean, even at Logs, I was the first African-American female to be hired on payroll at the company. So, I mean, intimidating as it sounds, but I realized that I have an assignment on my life, just, you know, in my career and other spaces that I exist within. And I have to roll my shoulders back, keep my head high, walk in with a smile and do my best to get the job done, but realize that I'm not doing it by myself and I'm not doing it just for myself. So with that in mind, humility allows me to keep pressing forward, even if it feels uncomfortable. Oh, because you have an incredible purpose and you're speaking of light, you're, you've stepped into your light and other people are going to see it. And you've done that. So you're also a DEI speaker as the first African-American female hired at your company. You're sort of paving the way in this industry to create conversation and change in the areas of diversity and DEI. And so what has it been like for you so far at your company to be that first person in the category and kind of have to pave the way? How do you tackle something like that? Yeah, as I think about my response, I'll say going back to taking former experiences. When I was at Red Hat, we had a very large DMI presence. The name of our team was BUILD, and it was the acronym stood for Blacks United in Leadership and Diversity. So we did a lot of work. It was a very huge platform that had grown over the years. And I was fortunate enough to sit on the leadership board and impact change both within Red Hat and within the community. So I have the, ex I had and now have the experience to carry that with me into Logs. And Logs is known as a startup company founded in 2014. 
So we are still, you know, growing and working through just some of those, you know, success pains, if you will. So I don't show up with that banner, right? Like I'm the only, you know, minority female in, in the room, but I don't lose sight of the fact that I am paving a way for others. So, you know, you just start with small questions. So what are we doing around DEI? How can we impact the community? And it's small change. It is those micro steps that lead to larger successes along the way. And you look back five years and the landscape looks very different. And that is the goal to move the needle. So I show up as my authentic self. And I think that allows me to get the job done. I'm not going to shelter behind anyone that doesn't look like me, be it race or gender, et cetera, et cetera. But I am going to show up as who I am. And I'm going to show up with the goals that I have in mind, understanding my purpose. And that allows me to just continue to make a mark, right, in my career and hopefully inspire others and inspire change within the company. I think the DEI space has obviously gotten a lot of attention recently, and I think that's wonderful around pay, just around minorities, especially within the tech industry, and how that trickles down. Even in, you know, colleges, some of the work that I've done in the DEI space is working with universities to make sure they have the right curriculum that is preparing graduates to transition into a workforce and they have the skills and the skill set to be successful, right? So everyone is showing up with an obligation to this larger issue. And so it's about shedding light in all of those spaces, not pointing the finger. Certainly we can look at the past results, but then allow that to propel us forward. And that is really what I take pride in, right? This is where we are. This is where we want to be. How do we get there? So having those conversations and just taking a different approach around a broader perspective about the issue. When talking about working with universities, what I love about so many of the things that you just said is there there's sometimes the unseen and unthought of things that need to be done to really elevate diversity and equity and inclusion and make it just normal to the point where we don't look at somebody and say, wow, they're so diverse, it just becomes normal, right? And this is the pipe dream, right? Like I'm not living in some utopia where I'm like, look, this is, it's going to be great. We have a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. but, but what you're talking about are things that I think people don't even think about, which are it's easy for a company to go on LinkedIn or change the colors of their logo or say, we're going to hire more African-American people. We're going to hire more BIPOC. We're going to hire more LGBTQIA. True change is so much deeper than that. And from what I see, so many people don't even understand what has to go into change, the paradigm shifts that people have to make, the unconscious bias that has to be addressed, the hurdles to even getting the job. So I want to lean a little bit into the work that you do with universities to prepare students to be able to take on these jobs. What are some of the gaps that you're having to identify with them and then put in place to address this problem once they get into sort of corporate life? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just the starting point is inspiring those students. So hosting tours within the company and understanding that, like, I'm not a techie. That is not my path. But you can still work in the tech industry and not be a techie. You don't have to code. You don't have to be a developer. You can be a project manager, right? You can be a director of enablement if you so choose. So Showing them the art of the possible is the start, right? You have to just sort of, you know, start that fire. And then it's understanding, well, where is the gap within the university? So it's having those conversations with leadership and people that can empower change. 
to say, well, your curriculum is missing. And this is what we've seen within the workforce. And this is the analytics that we can show you. So how do we close that gap? Do we need to offer more classes around computer science, offer more classes around project management? So it's, again, it's a back and forth. It's, you know, again, where are we and where do we want to be? And that's starting with the students, the university, even in the workforce, right? When we are posting a job, working with recruiting, we need to make sure we have a diverse, you know, pile of yes. applicants that we're bringing yes. in that this panel needs to look different. So the people that are doing the hiring to make sure that there is no biases there. Biases creep in. We're human. It's going to happen. So that is a lot of work that I've done as well to talk with managers. Perhaps you're not the person to maybe make the initial decision. Let's have a, pan a panel of people that can also give a very diverse perspective about these applicants. So it's a lot of different to your point, right? It's just not one singular lane. It's, you know, multifaceted around this approach and around this huge gap regarding diversity in the tech industry. Yeah. I potentially have, I don't know if I want to call this a difficult question, but mm -hmm. it's something that I see float around a lot. And it, to me, appears to be an excuse for a lack of diversity while at the same time excusing bias. And that's this kind of talk track around the idea of, well, when we're hiring, we're hiring the best person for the role. We're not hiring based on how they look or where they come from. And then you look at their workforce and they all look the same. And it's a difficult one to address because if you say, well, you have to actively go and hire folks who are diverse. The natural answer to that is, well, the people who are diverse don't have the qualifications for the role. And we wind up in this cycle of continuing to not hire diversity because of some bias that exists. Where do we start with tackling that issue? And how do we, if we want to be an ally to increasing diversity, how do we push back on that and do it the right way? No, that is definitely a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I won't skirt over that. But again, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out statement. <laughs> I'll say that. Yes. And I think one of the first approaches is to make sure that we have some diverse applicants within, you know, in the pool. So let's just make sure we have a diverse group of people that we even start the interviews. Because a lot of times that's just not the case. We just go with the first submissions, if you will. But we have to do a little work to dig a little deeper to cast the net a little wider. Now with this remote working environment, that is certainly the norm post pandemic. I don't have to live in your city. You know, even with Logs.io, they are headquartered both in Boston, Massachusetts, and Tel Aviv, Israel. So... The makeup of Boston in terms of diversity in tech is very lean in terms of African-Americans even living in the city. That being said, post-pandemic, they can offer jobs to anyone <laughs> across yes. the world. So it widens the net. And I think that's one solution to the problem. But then also there's just some onus just to make sure that we have a diverse group of applicants that are at the table that before we even start the interviewing process. And yes, hire the best person for the job. I've had to interview applicants and there have been African-Americans that have applied for jobs that I have been the hiring manager for. And it just was not the right candidate for the job. And that's fine. 
but at least that person was at the table. And then yeah. I say, this is what you need to do to enhance your skills. So again, there's, I count that as a win. I count that as yeah. a win, but I just need, I want to ensure that we are having just an honest conversation and we're just not using that statement as the cop out. <laughs> and, and it's, it, I mean, it's so hard to tell the difference. And especially when you're trying to call somebody on it, because it's so subjective to say, well, I interviewed them or I looked at their resume and unfortunately they just didn't have the experience. And I think it does come down to exactly what you're talking about, which is you have to dig in to every candidate so far beyond what you see on paper, because backgrounds and skill sets can come from a myriad of different places. For example, when I was working at my last company before sales assembly, I went to my hiring manager and I said, I will look at anybody that has applicable skills, not exact skills. I was like, so if you get a candidate and you think they have an interesting background, even if it doesn't fit our ICP at all, I want to talk to them because I think there are people who are incredible out there that come from other industries or doing other things that could be an incredible impact here. And there was one gal in particular, her name is Jess Gold, if she is listening, but she did not come from tech. She did not come from sales. She had, if you looked at her on paper, you would say, no way she was a fit for my organization. But when I was looking so that she applied for the role, recruiter reaches out and she's like, so like nobody else is going to take a look at her because she doesn't have the background. But you said that you kind of wanted candidates outside of the box. What do you think? And I'm looking at what she's done and I was like, she comes from the PR world. She comes from the event planning world. I was like, I know that's not easy to do. I know you have to give it to people. I want to talk to her. I talked to her. She blew me away and she became one of the top reps at the company. One, because she was like, nobody else will give me a shot. And you gave me a shot. And that kind of motivation is the best motivation that you will ever get is giving somebody a shot when nobody else will, can turn into incredible, motivated employees who are loyal. And we don't give people enough shots. We say, you don't fit it on paper. You don't have the right, ex you don't have the right, you know, graduate degree or the right MBA, right? That's another one too, is there's like this education bias of you have to have this graduate degree or that graduate degree. Well, not everybody can get one of those. No, I think you just hit on a couple hot topics. One being we have to give people an opportunity. Someone gave me an opportunity. And if we're all being honest, <laughs> someone gave you an opportunity. So you yes, you pass yes. it front. You have to look back and pull somebody else up as well. That is how this thing, you know, called life is done and done well. And not being afraid, right? You never know what that opportunity and that experience can do for someone and not just for them, but just for a group of people, right? You just change the tra trajectory of the lens of somebody's life. So not just give them a shot, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? If they're not a good fit, then it's just not a good fit. But it's so much larger than just that job, right? Perhaps they're not a good fit for that job, but there could be a new opportunity in that company that opens up and that's a better fit, right? I talk about team fits as well. You may not be a good fit for my team, but hey, I know an opportunity that could really be impactful, that you could really be a benefit to to the company, right? So just larger than this one job or this one rec and not being afraid. I think as leaders or people, decision makers need to 
take an opportunity to look at really all the opportunities that align with change within a company. Again, maybe I can pass on your application to someone else. It's just that simple versus just saying no, right? Because right. I know someone's spirit and <laughs> then what do you do? <laughs> so I'm really, I'm definitely a proponent of that. Absolutely. I mean, that's big. And on top of just hiring and bringing people in, because there is starting to be, I think, a little bit of shift on the hiring front, people who are a little bit more open to being like, we want the diverse candidate because of all of the incredible value that they bring. And if they don't match on paper, maybe our paper is wrong. Like we're starting to see that. On the flip side, what I'm also seeing is folks who are then getting the job offer and declining. Because either the benefit package or the culture or the leadership is not conducive to supporting those candidates once they actually start in the workforce. In your experience, what do you think are some of the things that are needed from just like a compensation benefit perk standpoint to not only say we want to bring in diverse candidates, but then when they get there, also ensure that your company supports them <laughs> versus just saying that you want them there and then putting together a benefit package that doesn't support them, like terrible maternity leave packages or horrible health benefits or a bad PTO policy. What kinds of things do you see that actually companies are missing on the benefit side? I think all of that, yes. <laughs> especially yeah. for women, right? Yes. Maternity leave. Why do I have a make why do I have to make a decision between giving birth and spending time and bonding with my newborn and you of losing my job. So like that's, it just doesn't even make sense. <laughs> when you not at all loud, it doesn't even make sense. So I see companies, HR departments, et cetera, have to take just an opera, you know, the time to sit back, peel back the layers of this onion. Perhaps what worked 10 years ago is no longer working. And if you still or waving the banner to say we want a diverse workplace, we want a healthy workplace, we want a place that people feel comfortable and heard, then those things matter. Don't dangle swag in my face and call that as a benefit. That is not... <laughs> I don't want another Yeti. There's so many, so many Yetis. <laughs> exactly. But then also, also, Christina, I think the biggest thing is ask the people what they want, right? Pull <sighs> your workplace. They will tell you, create a culture where people can feel empowered to speak their voice. There's your answer. It's, you don't have to be Einstein, right? It is not rocket science. Ask, ask the people, right? You know, pull the community. What do you like at your job? What do you think is missing here? If people feel as if you are working to make change, then they will, you know, stay on, right? They'll be on for the ride because people want to be a part of change, especially positive change. Even people that, you know, don't look like me, right? Like there are allies that want to support the mission. So don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. You will get the answers that, that you're really looking for. So I think that's the biggest part. Just start the conversation. Just open up the conversation to let people know that it is top of mind. It is a priority. We do want to change the landscape of this company or this organization, but we want your feedback in order to do it. So I think it's just an honest conversation to really start the, you know, start moving the needle towards where we want to be. I mean, so many moments there where I think it's worth a rewind and re-listen. But 
what I'm hearing you talk about is just not overcomplicating it, right? You don't have, you can ask people what will make them feel welcome, what will make them feel accepted, what will encourage them to make this company their home while they're not at home. And a lot of times the answer is so much simpler than we think that it is. And we overcomplicate that by not asking. And also the idea of allyship. I have never seen an ERG, a diverse employee resource group, or group in general that excludes folks who don't look or think like them. They are some of the most welcoming organizations and just wanting everyone to learn and respect each other. So if your company does not have things like employee resource groups or ways for folks at your company who are diverse to be celebrated and talk about their culture and where they come from and welcome others in the acceptance, that's a big miss right there. And it's easy to spin up employee resource groups. Like these little things that don't cost anything other than time and caring can be so big. And another approach that I was a part of is partnering with other ERGs. With space. <laughs> and Love that. Or you create a network where you can share ideas. So, you know, of course, like this is what's working well here. Or we tried this here and it didn't work, but this is what we've learned. So, again, you don't really have to have all the answers. You just have to put forth the effort to get the answers, right? I love it. It's Henry Ford that says, I don't know how to make cars, but I bring yeah. in people that know how to make cars, right? So you are yeah. part of the mission. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a solid approach. Just partner with other ERGs for to close the gap. But yeah, Steve Jobs wasn't building the iPhone, right? <laughs> he wasn't in the bag like, hold on, I'm putting this chip together. No, he's like, I, I have an idea and I don't know what to do. And I need other people to help me with the idea, right? So it's like, where do you fit? And before we get into our rapid reveal, I have to ask, because I know that you do a lot of speaking on this and you have an incredible amount of experience to bring with that. When do you speak? What do you talk about? What kinds of events do you speak at? Like, where is your heart taking you in terms of, being on the stage and evangelizing this message. That warms my heart. I speak at my former university where I got my master's, which is Strayer University. So I speak to a lot of the students that are transitioning, obviously, into the workforce, whether it be with their bachelor's or their master's. So I'm very passionate about giving them the nuggets and the tips that I've learned and acquired along the way. Of course, especially to minorities, be it women and women of color, I am actually headed to West Africa next week <laughs> for 10 days. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Really? I Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so I'm actually, I have a platform there where I am speaking to some of the young entrepreneurs that live on the continent and about just enhancing their technologies to make their businesses more successful. And not lastly, but one of my... Additional passionate spaces that is very near and dear to me is that I am the CEO and founder of a nonprofit entitled Sonora Cares, S-A-N-O-R-A Cares. And our mission is to give support, including housing, academic resources, mental health resources to young women that were never adopted. So at the age of eight, mm -hmm. they transition out of the U.S. foster care system into independent living. But of course... We know that there is a break in the chain, if you will, from going from that population to independent living. It is not seamless. And so Sonora Cares is there to bridge that gap and to offer them support to help them along their way. So I speak oh. to girls and I provide housing and, again, the necessary resources to be all that they should and desire to be. 
Whew, you kept that close to the vest. My gosh. Poor <laughs> yeah. baby. That's my baby. Purchased the first Sonora Cares house this year. And we are in process of housing four young ladies by Thanksgiving. So they will have a place to call home and being able to get the support that they need as they transition into adulthood. Well, I normally ask this at the end, but I'm going to ask it right now. If if folks want to get involved in your organization, how do they do that? <laughs> I appreciate the question. Yes. So I have my website, sonoraenterprises.com. You can reach out there and, of course, submit you know, an email or download a form in terms of how they can help. I am actually on LinkedIn as well as Kimberly Evans. So you can reach out there or probably two solid, you know, ways to contact me. And I am Jenny on the spot with all communication. So yeah, we we'll love the support. We we'll love the ideas as I step into <laughs> this net new world of serving the community. Yeah. And do it incredible work. <laughs> I think you're going to get some support. And let's get to know you a little bit more now that we're peeling it back. Let's get to our rapid reveal section if you're open to it. Let's do it. All right. So I've got five questions, mm -hmm. 60 seconds or less to answer each. Mm -hmm. Number one, do you have any recurring dreams? And if you do, what are they? I see angel numbers and yeah, synchronicity. So that is my reoccurring dream. So I'll see triple seven or 1111 throughout the day or two, two, two is my favorite one. So that's what I lean into and then understanding what that means. Like for instance, two, two, two is all about manifesting and being in the right place at the right time. So I use those nuggets and those notions to just edify what I'm doing or what I need to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. See, now I'm going to, I know I'm going to open up a Google window and look into these things, right? Because every time someone tells you they're recurring dream, I was like, it must mean something. Like somebody told me one time that 1111, if something happened, it's somebody from beyond who was trying to reach out and give you a message. It's like, there's all kinds of things. And I just, I'm fascinated by all of it. All right. Number two, and I ask everybody this, what's an irrational fear of yours? Just feeling like I'm not enough, right? Just... Hmm. The practice is quieting those negative thoughts, and we all have them. I don't care how, you know, hard you try not to, right? You're human, because you just want to show up and you want to do your best and be your best and get the accolades, whatever that means, right? You want to have a positive impact to your family, and you want to make your kids proud and your spouse is proud and your family members proud. So just feeling like what you are doing is enough and showing up as your authentic self. So that's the irrational fears that, okay, perhaps I'm not, but in reality, like you're doing awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just doing awesome. You get up every day, you take in a deep breath. That's a success. <laughs> yeah. You did the hardest part. You got up. That's the hardest part. And even if you didn't, like you, it's like, the littlest baby steps. There's some days where even the person that you think has it together the most is having a really, really hard time getting out of bed, right? It's why they say never meet your heroes because you realize they're just like you. We all, yeah, we're all doing our best. Love it. Number three, when is the last time you were inspired and what was it? I was inspired yesterday when I got noticed that I'll be able to house these young women by Thanksgiving. So... You know, I'm already have the menu planned out. The Christmas tree is already there. So I am going overboard. So I'm, I was definitely inspired. And I don't think I was inspired by myself and not from a narcissistic platform. But I had a vision and I took golden steps to get there. 
And I am super excited about that because it's so much bigger than me. I also was adopted. I had the pleasure and I was blessed to be adopted before my first birthday. So this is me giving back. And I mean, I talk about giving back in the workplace and being a mentor, right? And being somebody else's voice. I am somebody else's voice. So yeah, so I'm inspired by Kimberly. <laughs> I'm inspired by Kimberly. Being inspired by yourself also is beautiful. It's not egotistical. And man, you, my, my inspiration moment is right now. I feel like we need another episode. You keep all right. revealing all these things in the end that I'm like, wait, I want to dig into that. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Number four, before I get emotional. Number four, what new habits are you trying to either make or break? Early mornings, make <sighs> early mornings a habit. Uh, the pandemic has helped, right? Because the practice is obviously working from home, but just getting up 6.30, 7 a.m., just having that quiet time. My mother used to do it. I one of six, so my parents adopted six kids. And so my mother would do it and I thought she was just bananas at the time, but now as a parent and obviously a busy adult, I was like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Anyway, just having that quiet time. My other favorite habit is morning baths, morning bubble baths. It is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't see my face, it was a jaw drop moment where I was like, that sounds wonderful. Yes. Um, whatever, 5 p.m., oh. whatever your time has to be, like those moments are magical. And I think I can get more done from the bubble bath between, you know, oh, the yeah. 90 minutes than I do throughout the day because you're just so focused and you're just tuned in to what you need to do and how you need to do it, but you're also prioritizing your needs in those moments. So it is just perfect. It is the perfect storm. So I am making that just a, a practice for life. <laughs> a practice oh, for life. Never underestimate the power of a good bath. Oh, I mean, truly. It's awesome. Truly. All right. And then number five, when was the last time you were proud of work that you did? Like we've heard a lot of it. You can say it again. I know, I know, of course. Yeah, I think I'll just rewind the tape here and just say Sonora Cures Home. It's huge. It's huge. And it's just my everything. I mean, it's just, it's bigger than just the health, but it is understanding my assignments while I've had a very successful career and I'm excited about the opportunities that have been afforded to me and the feelings that I broke through. It's just something to be said about the purpose rest on your life and the assignment that is given to you and you take in charge of that, right? You're actually doing your homework and completing the assignment. So that feels really, really good. Like I have a vision to make sure every girl has a passport and they're able to travel and see the world because it's all about exposure. So exposure, like I said, right? Bringing people into the workplace and realizing, oh, this is possible for me. And that lights a fire within them to do whatever is needed in order to conquer their goals. So yeah, my mission to serve and give back, it is my chariot that I'm running on right now. Well, it's just getting started. You know, <laughs> it sounds like there's so much ahead of you to do. And I know that it's been incredible talking to you and learning from you and hearing your experiences and your candor. And to everybody listening, if you are looking for a phenomenal speaker or resource for anything that you may need, an event, a SCO, look no further. 
then Kimberly, I'm just going to offer you up to everybody. So here you go. Yeah. <laughs> just going to fill your calendar if that's cool with you. Step into it. I receive it. I would be grateful and honored. So thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And thank you, Kimberly, for spending your time with us. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate your time. Enjoy your day. <laughs> you too. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Taking the Lead. If you're looking for more inspiring stories from women leaders in B2B tech, then visit us at motionagency.io slash taking the lead.